Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. You probably don't know who Courtney Sweetser is. You probably do know who sportswoman Courtney is. They're the same individual. And I was lucky enough to catch up with Courtney and really just have a heart-to-heart conversation, an iron-sharpening iron conversation with her. I don't think she gets the opportunity very often to flex her discussion skills. And so I wanted a strong woman that represents hunting and fishing and the outdoor lifestyle for what it is to come on the podcast and really just have a very frank conversation about women about women in hunting, about perceptions around women. At the end of the podcast, if you liked what you heard, just leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. All of it will help spread the message that we're trying to push every single day. Do you, um, do you know why I asked you to be on this podcast, Courtney? I don't. I asked you to be on this podcast because I, there is a tendency for strong women not to say anything 
in the outdoor space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> would you agree with that statement or would you disagree with that statement? I would agree with that statement to a certain extent, yes. I would. Do you think that that is the case? I mean, in all truthfulness, I think it's a little bit of it's a very male dominated industry and you tend to get judged very quickly as a woman. And there's a lot of, and I love men, do not get me wrong. Like I'm not here to like man bash at all, but there's a lot of man explaining that happens at times, which is a term that I didn't even really quite think about until recently within our political view of how things have been changing. And then I started having actually some of my guy friends like start messaging me like NPR podcasts and different things. And they were like, do you deal with this a lot? And up until that point, I kind of hadn't even really thought about it because it was just something that I dealt with like on a daily basis. And then I started like researching more into it a little bit, not even to the extent that I should, but, and I just was kind of like, you know, that is something that you deal with, especially in a social media space as well. You get criticized quite often, whether that's a man or a female. So I think eventually you just kind of start to wear a thicker layer and then you are more educated and I guess just more cautious as to what you say because you already know the 50 million different avenues that are about to hit you. Oh, sure. No, I've been accused of mansplaining. I know exactly <laughs> what mansplaining is. I've been accused of it at work. And I've which I've sometimes actually, it's not. It's just people interacting with people and trying to explain their opinion. But then I think sometimes it also can just like different personalities sometimes clash. Yeah, but I think there's a there is a mansplaining side of it that is that as a man, I'm trying to explain a concept to a female, mm -hmm. a woman. And I've been, I've been told, Robbie, you're mansplaining this to me, in which she knows perfectly well what I'm talking about. I don't need to explain it to her. Right. And I don't know why I feel like I have the need to explain it to her. Um, maybe that's the whole problem, is that we have this perception that somebody like you, Courtney, needs to be somehow explained to how to hunt or how to use a gun or how to use a rod properly right and sometimes we do like everybody sometimes needs that reminder if you're not handling a particular firearm on a daily basis and this other person is i can see how no matter what the gender is and i see that now more being have kind of stepped more into like a guide not a guide but like starting to work with guides more on a back-end situation where i'm like helping with the stands and the helping set up the spots and like do all the work and then the hunters come in 
<clears throat> and then I sit there on the back end and kind of help take them to stands and do things. And like, it's not just females that sometimes need that further explanation as to how something works. Because if something, if somebody doesn't do something, I think on a repetitive pattern, it is very easy to forget. You might be, it's like riding a bike. You might be able to pick up fly fishing again if you've done it in the past, but you might need that extra bit of explanation. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at all, but I think it's being able to read people and gauge if they need that, that makes it appropriate or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So just like I typically do, I never introduce people that I start talking to. I just start talking to them. So would you mind introducing yourself, Courtney? Oh, and... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Uh, my name is Courtney Sweetser, maybe better known as Sportswoman Courtney. I work in the outdoor industry mainly with social media, but working with a bunch of different outdoor brands to help bring awareness to how their products work, to share my journey on social media because I did not actually start hunting until after college at the age of 26. So that is kind of how my journey began was to open up my social media to kind of talk about this is what I'm using, this is what I'm learning and to help make it relatable because I found that more females or men would potentially get outdoors more if they were comfortable, if they had the right equipment, and if they had somebody like kind of take them under their wing. So do you think that that is this, obviously you have created a, an influencer model and that influencer model, as you just described, is, is there to help people come into the outdoor space just like you did, right? You are a 26-year-old woman. Well, let me back up. What? No, no, I started when I was 26. I'm not 26 now. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. You can keep thinking I'm 26. So let me back up. Your your father doesn't hunt or fish? Uh, Oh, no. Let's just just hunt. Let's just stop. Let's just talk with hunting. Your father doesn't hunt? Uh, not, Not truly, no. Okay, so that makes sense then. That's why you didn't grow up hunting. Mom doesn't hunt either? No. Mm-mm. Oh, that was a definite no. <laughs> My mom's idea of camping is like a, a low-end motel. So her, she is not very much an outdoorsy woman. So what, does, what made you decide you wanted to become a hunter? I very much, I grew up in the outdoors. My dad had me water skiing at the age of three and I had my first, you know, Disney princess, little Zebco fishing rod at the age of three. So I grew up immersed in it, but I would say that during that time, I don't, it just wasn't quite a thing that women hunted. And I grew up around it. My uncles hunted. Um, My dad would go occasionally, but he is, everybody's a different level of hunter and my dad is very much like he's there for the camaraderie which is a great place to be in the hunting world Um, but he's not feeding stands and going out to do prep work and doing all of that so I grew up around it but I just didn't ever get invited to go to be honest with you and I don't think it was an exclusion thing that was happening I think it just wasn't what women did at that time it was 
in the late 80s, early 90s. And it just, that's not what the women did. Like the fact that I hunt now to a lot of my, to my mom and to my grandma and like that kind of generation is very mind blowing to them. Um, but it was growing up in the outdoors and loving being outside that then transitioned me into hunting and to that role just because I like to be outdoors. So the, the, I apologize for this question, but it's almost, it's almost just hitting it directly on the nail. The whole huntress influencer model. Okay. Receives a lot of hate. It does. Yeah. Why does it receive so much hate, Courtney, versus like what you just explained? This is something you're trying to do, obviously earning a living from it and with it, trying to encourage other people to come into the outdoors. Why do you think that model, that idea comes with so much hate? I honestly think it maybe just because it pushes the social norms of what everybody kind of perceived a hunter to be. Um, that's kind of the only thing that I could come up with. I'm not truly sure, but there's a lot of hate that comes with it at times. And I think it's discouraging for some women because they don't want to take on that hate. But then there's also a lot of hate that comes within the hunting community within itself, which is really unfortunate. And I think that that comes from un just being uneducated and not realizing the amount of typically the amount of work that hunters put into conservation and to land management and to all the things that we do to like make these populations of animals thrive in order to therefore harvest what we consider to be mature animals that are gonna not help the population anymore. Um, it's, I just think it's a lack of education and a lack of understanding. Yeah, I, you know, I totally agree with you in terms of the hunter versus hunter on hunter hate is one of the biggest cancers that we have as a community. We have so much, you know, we're fighting the antis on, every day yeah but the the hunter on hunter hate is essentially the anti-hunters doing the work against us but it's ourselves and it's just like i don't know you know and i and, and the reason i had you on and, and have spoken to rochelle and, and spoken to megan is that it's almost like and look there are some guys that get hated on in, in the sort of influencer model but females get just hammered and the fact that you're, you know, you just so happen to be good looking does not help, you know, and I don't know why that, you know, that's brought into the equation, but it is always brought into the equation. Yes, it is. I've, there's definitely been times where, like, you just, there's, I don't know, a sense of like, pressure from society i think that we've sexualized women in such a way that like therefore women are felt like they need to do that in order to maybe gain numbers or gain validation and then it just ends up doing the opposite i think to a certain extent and then that creates more hate because then they're taken less seriously and it's kind of sad honestly because you're almost feeling like you're attacked from a bunch of different angles and you almost just feel like you can't do anything right at times but i think it's 
the continuing to push through and just like show that you're there for the right reasons that hopefully will eventually push down those negative connotations and kind of stigmas that are out there. Yeah, I definitely think that you get you get you get lumped into a much broader category of individuals when you have people doing it for the wrong reasons. And that happens. Showing, <laughs> yeah, showing a lot of skin to in an influencer type model to try and get free stuff. But free stuff doesn't pay your bills. <laughs> so my advice to any any female out there, anybody wanting to join the outdoor industry is please stop working for free. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they expect, right? Yeah. Makes it very difficult to make a living. What would you be doing if you weren't hunting, Courtney? Well, I think I'll always hunt. <laughs> no, as a living. If you want as, a living. as a living. Um, I don't really know. I mean, my degree is in interior design with the business administration minor. I worked for a surgeon for almost six years right after college because that's when the economy crashed. And then I just kind of, it was like good timing and hard work that put me in the position that I'm in now and it probably won't last forever so it's gonna be you know like you have to think ahead like do I want to go into the guiding side of things am I trying to do branding am I looking at real estate am I looking for a way to bring in income where I'm not maybe I can be working on something else and doing something else so it's a con. I mean, that's life, right? Absolutely. I'm <laughs> being an adult. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me ask this question. Do you have an opinion on shows like For Love or Likes? <laughs> you do have an opinion and you better say it because I can see you have one. I think that while it might have started as a good idea of challenging women that it also puts a certain level of competition within women when there's already competition within women and then i to be honest with you i have not watched the show fully because it's just i don't if I'm going to binge something, that's not typically what I'm going to binge. So I can't speak fully on the show because I, I don't, I honestly cannot tell you that I've watched a full episode so before. I Forget about the show. Forget about the show. Because no, look, very few people watch it. The premise. I don't love the, the competitive nature of how that show pits women against each other. And I think tries to make them look dumb because everybody has a different level of hunting skill and if you're telling someone that they need to use a certain weapon that they've maybe never shot before and then there's no prior educational standpoint and i don't know what goes on on this show so maybe they had training sessions but i just don't foresee that happening, but maybe there were training sessions, but I think that 
in a world in a industry that's already so scrutinized to then set up people to fail makes it able to be scrutinized more which i'm not a true fan of what about the premise of the show which is literally for love or likes i.e pitting the idea of loving hunting against the idea of doing it just because you want to get famous the whole i want more likes i want more engagement i want more i want to become more famous which means more deals which means more companies kind of deal i think that that? unfortunately i think that that is part i think that that's human nature to a certain extent i think that some women do see it as an opportunity to grow a platform quickly to gain more likes to get more contract deals i wish that that wasn't the case but i feel like unfortunately that's just human nature like there are some people out there that that is their motive and i don't know that there's anything that we can truly do about that but maybe i don't i don't know calling attention to it is not maybe it is a good thing to bring it to light but i don't know that that show is doing that in an accurate way if you had your druthers what what kind of show would you like to see an educational one like more of like a planet earth meets like (laughs) nat geo but on the hunter side where we bring people in and explain to them like this is how this weapon works these are the regulations this is how you identify this animal this is how you know that you're shooting a mature one versus one that's maybe a juvenile like take inventory for that area and just kind of better explain it in that way but that's not clickbait that doesn't really sell quite the same (laughs) that's right it does not sell and unfortunately, our society is all about selling product, right? And it is. our hunting industry is all around selling product. And you can't blame them because it's business. At the end, I was about to say, every industry is around sales. I mean, truly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Megan, when I asked the question of Megan, what kind of show she wants, she told me she wants a show where they show badass women getting into the trenches being just as you know hardcore as any male hunter, which they are out there just like you. Mm-hmm. And showing the camaraderie, as you mentioned, between women versus the competitive nature component of these shows. Now, again, I could, I could quite enjoy the whole you know, badassness climbing up a mountain because there's some really hardcore female hunters out there. Again, it's, it's all unfortunately tied to the whole clickbait trying to get as many impressions and engagements and views mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I guess that drives the world right now. Unfortunately, our society, I think, has been kind of, I don't know, like brainwashed almost into that's what they find entertaining now is this drama. And it's the drama, I think. Oh, you and nailed it. It is the drama. It's Megan the drama. <laughs> Megan was even saying that they... There was a situation where she didn't shoot her buck. She came back. 
a friend of hers did shoot her buck. She came down, congratulated her. And then when they watched the episode when she was back home, they had actually reshot the episode with someone else that looked like her. And she's slamming doors and huffing and puffing up the stairs. And, and the family's like, who is that, Megan? Because that's not you. And she couldn't believe it. What? Yeah. Just for the drama. For Just the drama. The, you know, that makes <clears throat> light in television. And look, I get it. You know, I, you know, you want cliffhangers. I actually was talking to a guy from England who worked for the BBC. And I don't know if you've watched any of the BBC wildlife documentaries. There's one called Big Cat Diaries. Have you ever heard of Big Cat Diaries? I have not seen that, no. So what Big Cat Diaries do, and they actually air it during the same time slot as soap operas in England. Mm -hmm. And they've created families. So there's the lion family, mom, okay. dad, and kids. Then you have the leopard family. Then you have the cheetah family. And they okay. all interact like different families. And, you know, the cub's going to get killed by the hyena family. And you don't know, like, at the end of the episode, is, is the, did the cub survive or did it die? And so they're constantly building this, like, emotional drama soap opera tied to wildlife. And is this actual wildlife footage or is this, like... 100% reality okay. footage. But in reality, hyenas and lions hate each other. They're alpha predators, both competing for the same resource. Male lions will typically will take over a pride and, and, and undertake infanticide, which is killing all of the cubs. Typically happens in most predators because mm -hmm. then that drives the females back into heat so that they can reproduce and put their own genes into the population and create the right. other cubs. But they put a human element to it and they, and they tie the spin on. what Because mm -hmm. um, that fits their narrative. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I don't trust like anything anymore. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to think that I like knew everything. And then the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, maybe I don't know anything. Like maybe the, my whole life has been alive. Like, who can I trust now? <laughs> well, you can trust us. We are very truthful in what we say and what we do. We don't hide behind a curtain. What you see is what you get. You're not going to get any more different when I turn off this podcast than what I'm speaking to you over this podcast like right now. Awesome. I've watched a lot of y'all's stuff and I, you have worked with a lot of people that I know and I consider friends. So I was like, and I like the element that you're adding to this industry right now. I think that it's very truthful and it's a new raw take on things. So I appreciate that. I'm very yeah. like thankful that you asked me to be a part of this. Well, we're thankful for you. Uh, we've got some phenomenal content coming, like eye-dropping content coming. Uh, I'll give you a, sneak, a, a, a sneaky peek because I know by the time this podcast drops, it would, the video is going to be out. But you know how typical hunting content... Let me ask this question to you. Let's see if, let's see if I'm right. Okay. Where does typically all hunting content end? Where does it end? Where does all hunting content end? Like content that you see on outdoor television, content that you see on Sportsman's channel. Where most of it, I would say <clears throat> most of it ends at the kill. That would be, I mean, very right. few people talk about that after the kill when the real work begins. <laughs> 
Correct. And why is that? I think it's probably because of how much people are being censored. And I mean, I don't know from a television standpoint because I've never had a TV show, but I know I try to put up stuff where I'm holding meat. I've put up videos before where I'm processing deer and they immediately get flagged and get taken down. And then I notice a shift in my numbers. Like all of a sudden my account is no longer being visible to people and there's no way for me to like prove it. But I do have friends that follow me that are, we're friends. And then they'll come to me and they'll be like, Quinny, I don't see your stuff showing up anymore. And then they'll go to me and they're like, I don't follow you anymore. And I'm like, well, that's weird, right? Like, and they're like, yeah, like I just started refollowing you, but like, I swear I never unfollowed you. So I don't know if it's a little bit of censorship that's happening just from all of us feeling like mm -hmm. our content's going to be taken down and it's going to flag us. Mm -hmm. But that's at least my perception of how I have felt at times. It's like, okay, how can I put this up to be respectful to people who don't hunt, that don't understand where their meat come from, that I can do this in a way that I'm not immediately going to get flagged. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I can see the whole um, potentially uh, getting censored and whatnot. I, I don't think that that's the reason why hunting content ends at the kill, though. I think that hunting content ends at the kill because that's what we do. And that's okay. That's the finality of the purpose of hunting. But the consequence of hunting, the consequence of the action of hunting actually starts post-kill. Um, oh, that's, yeah, like I said, that's in the real work again. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what we're trying yeah. to tell. And so we've got this film that we produced out of South Africa. We funded a project last year that fed uh, essentially a state-run hostel in a very, very rural town in South Africa. These kids probably get two to three days of meat a week, a, a month through the state-run wow. program, and then they have no meat. And so we, we worked with an outfitter there who produces, who, who grinds all the meat down, creates all the patties, and then it's sent to the kids. And so exactly. we built a film that essentially starts with the kid getting his plate of food. It's cooked. It's the whole kit and caboodle. And then the kid eats it. And then it transitions. And we thought, really, we planned the entire thing. It transitions to the, the meat being cooked. Then it transitions to the meat being placed in the pot. Then it transitions to the meat being placed in the cooler. Transitions to the meat being ground into and pushed into patties. Mm -hmm. To the meat being taken off the carcass. To the meat being hung up and being skinned to the animal in the field. And when you see this person walking up to this animal, you would naturally think it's the hunter. But actually, it is the cook that's in the orphanage walking up to the animal saying, oh, this is where the meat comes from that feeds my kids. And then at that point, we stop the film and we reverse it. And so now it starts with the kill and takes it all the way to the kid eating the plate of food. That's cool. And it says, do you know where your food comes from? Because these kids too. Oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Oh my God, just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Such an incredible film. And um, awesome. Yeah, when it comes out, I'll tag you in it. But uh, hopefully we don't get censored because of it. But I'll I hope not. I hope not. Um, 
but yeah, it's an incredible film. And, and the reason being is that because, we, we, you know, we want, and it's, you know, it's focused to the non-hunting majority, not to hunters, uh, but to show this is what happens. This is where meat comes from. This is where people that eat meat, where do you think the meat comes from? And there's a big disconnect in people and that thought. And unfortunately, I've even had some of my best girlfriends who have just been like, Courtney, we don't want to know where our meat comes from. And I think that that's a sad reality of a lot of our society these days is a lot of people don't even want to think about that. They don't want to have, they just want to go to the store and they want to pick it up and they want to have all the labels that are there that make them feel good about their purchase so that they say USDA organic and all the things, all the little checks so that they can be like, okay, I feel good about this. And then they just want to go home and cook it. And I'm like, it's really kind of sad how our society has shifted from people kind of really appreciating their meals and their clothing and everything and holding on to those things. And now we're in such a fast paced, like consumer evolution that it's like sell, make products faster and what's next. And it's like, I wish people could just have a little bit more appreciation for where those things come from. So last question, if you had a magic wand and were able to change perceptions around women in hunting, what would that look like? I would start by making the magic wand work so that everybody was in it for the right reasons. <laughs> that would be my first start. Do you think that's the toughest, the toughest hurdle that you're having to overcome on a daily basis? I think so, because I, I will go hunt and fish with different, uh, with different people. And unfortunately, sometimes a lot of what I hear is, oh, this is so nice that you're here and you actually like carry your own weapons or that I actually skin my own animals or that I do, that I am there to show up to put the work in. And I would just wish that and I know that there are, there are women that are way more, way more badass than me out there that do way more work, but I just wish that there were more that would show up and make the effort because the ones that don't give the rest of us a really bad reputation. So that would be my magic wand. Like, can everyone just care? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. And I think, unfortunately, I think this, let me ask, let me, let me see if I'm, I can make a point and see if you agree with this point or not. Okay. I think the fact that Courtney makes a living in the outdoor industry, hunting, somehow has disqualified you from doing it for the right reasons. Uh, I.e. you're doing it to run, to make a paycheck versus the love of hunting. And to me, that's unfair because you can do it. You can you can do it for a paycheck, but you can also do it for the right reasons. You see what I'm trying to get at there? I think, but I think that I am doing like I hunt because I love to hunt, not to get a paycheck. I'm just constantly that's like, how can I? How can I continue to get a paycheck doing this? Um, 
but whether there was a paycheck or not, I'm still gonna hunt and I'm still gonna fish. Also because that's how I put meat on my table. So I don't, I, I'm not gonna say I don't eat meat from a store. Like if my dad goes to the store and buys meat or if I'm around like on a trip and we go to the store and people are like, we're gonna buy this, that's fine. But if you come to my personal house and are eating dinner, I don't buy meat at the store. I've lived off what I've shot for over five years now. So I live off what I shoot. So for me now, when I, unless I'm going, like, unless I'm with somebody, then we're going to a high-end butcher where I'm like, it's very expensive meat. I can taste a difference in the store-bought meat. And I don't truly like it anymore because it tastes watery to me and it tastes it just tastes kind of watery like it, it doesn't have flavor to me it doesn't have this richness that I like so for me it's about filling my freezer and I think that sometimes it stinks that it like I love that it's my job and it's the best job in the world but like there is a pressure that comes with that but even if that pressure were relieved and I didn't do this as a job anymore, I'm still going to do this to feed myself. Well, and I think that's, that's the key. And, and I apologize. I wasn't being very fair on <laughs> you in that. The, the fact that you love it and, and essentially are saying, okay, I love this so much. How can I make a living out of it? Right. How can I keep doing it and make a paycheck is the different, is the differentiation sort of, it's a different, tripping over my own words here it's it's the factor that separates those that come in it from oh i'm going to make a paycheck oh i can actually make a lot of money here and i just happen to have to hunt i personally don't know anyone like that but i'm not going to say that they might not be out there but maybe they don't love it they, they, they they're like oh i i can i can learn to love to hunt um, but I guess it's the infamy and the likes and whatnot yeah. tied to that individual that you're like, mm, I don't know if you, if you're doing this for the, again, coming back to that, the, the right the phrase, reason. are you doing it for the right reasons? Right. And I think that's a per, like everyone eventually has to answer that question for their personal selves. I wish more people did it because they loved it. True. Us too. Us too. Well, Courtney, I appreciate you um, living with some of the technical difficulties and the postponement. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. A, and I hope it wasn't too tough of a question session on you. I don't think so. It's okay. Yeah. Do you think you got usable content out of it? What do you What do you think? Do you think I think so. Content out of it. I think so. So <laughs> go ahead. I would like to think so. I hope, you know, that I represented everybody well. And I, like I said, I can't speak for everyone. That's always the, I think, biggest fear also of being in this type of position is feeling like people are going to come after you and just be like, you can't speak for me. And it's like, I'm not trying to speak for you. I'm just also trying to speak from my personal experiences. Well said. Well, that's it for today. I 
appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.